I'm sorry that I have to start off by offending you, <laughs> but I think one of the things that I love most about our Lord Jesus is how offensive he is. And in fact, you might not pick up the offense that is in this text, but there's something that does offend our sensibilities in our world today as people who were raised in America. Immanuel Kant, in his essay called What is Enlightenment? He says, enlightenment is to free yourself from the shackles of tradition, to think for yourself, to think your own thoughts. And being raised in America, we think like we're Frank Sinatra, that in our life, we're gonna do it our way. That to be an American is to be an individual. To be an American is to do life the way that you know you can do it, not following the way of anybody else, being a radical individual, making your way in life and for life that marks you apart from everybody else. In fact, the idea that you're a follower in our world and not a leader is something that is close to sacrilegious. We're all supposed to be leaders, aren't we? In fact, there's plenty of books on leadership published every year about how you can be a better leader 40 days until you're a better leader, 15 minutes until you're a better leader. We're all taught from the very time we're young that we're supposed to be ourselves, think for ourselves, and follow nobody. But there's only one problem with that. We don't get the choice whether or not we will follow. All of us follow. The only choice we get in life is, will what we follow and who we follow lead us to abundance or to death? Jesus offends us because he points out the reality that we don't like to confront in our lives and that we're all followers. And even the most ardent people who think that they're radical individuals, they all shop at the same stores. They all read the same books. They all cite the same authors. They all say the same things, and yet they say it as individuals. Christopher Hitchens, the great late atheist, said the most offensive thing about the gospel to him is that he calls people sheep. That the last thing that he would ever be defined as or think of himself as is a sheep, as somebody who would follow uh, anybody else. But this is a man who wrote books on Thomas Paine and said how Thomas Paine shaped his ideas so deeply that there's a sense in all of us that we long to follow. I have three kids under four and they long to follow. And being raised in America, we think that we grow past that point. And in fact, we're raised to be such individuals that we think to be somebody who loves Jesus is to follow Jesus in our own way to set forth an individual path that describes and defines us as people who know Jesus uniquely. But Jesus steps before his people and referencing probably two passages from the Old Testament, both Psalm 23 and this passage from Ezekiel, he talks about what it's like for him to be a shepherd. And there's so much richness to talk about from this passage, but I, I, I wanna talk about the notion that we all follow someone. And that in our world, it's not the choice if we will follow, it's what we will follow that will ultimately define our happiness and our joy. Because Jesus says he's a good shepherd, but he also speaks of this other group of people. Another group of people that are thieves that come, they steal and they kill and they destroy, and they do so because they don't have an agenda other than their own to care for themselves. They are shepherds for themselves, and they will use the sheep in every way they can for their own aggrandizement, for their own pleasure, for their own worth. And so what happens in our world is we go around looking for shepherds and we get so frustrated at times because every four years we elect a shepherd in this country 
And it's not shortly after we elect a shepherd that we start talking about what a bad shepherd they are. And then we think we need to elect a new shepherd because that shepherd will be better than the old shepherd and eventually we realize that we're so exhausted from shepherds because we can't find one that's good. It seems that every shepherd that we elect, every shepherd that we follow, every shepherd that we desire leads us not to green pastures but into vacant deserts of desperation and loneliness. And so we are left wondering, who are we to follow? And ultimately we've been told over and over again that we can't trust anybody but ourselves. And what a lonely existence that is to be your own shepherd, to care for yourself alone. But for a vast amount of people outside of the church walls, that's what they have to believe. So they think they have to pick themselves up from their spiritual bootstraps and find their way. And if you go to a bookstore, there's lots of shepherd books out there, aren't there? In fact, there'll be $50 billion spent this next year on self-help. I wonder when we're gonna learn that the self can't help. (laughs) Yet people think, well, Self has to help because there's obviously nobody out there that could help. There's not a shepherd out there who would care for our souls, but we do know there's lots of thieves that steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, the church has a bad reputation because many of its so-called shepherds have stolen and killed and destroyed. I was watching a documentary on Jonestown the other day, and we all know phrases like, don't drink the Kool-Aid and anybody doesn't go to church, they think that we're all here this morning drinking the Kool-Aid because all they associate with people who attend church or follow this Jesus are non-thinking sheep who just follow the ways that are put out before them. But Jesus doesn't allow us to think that we are not followers. He doesn't allow us to say like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Jesus confronts us, and I think it's a wonderful myth that he confronts, that it's whether who you are following will lead you into life. What are the characteristics of a bad shepherd? Well, Jesus says they steal, they kill, and they destroy, and we see that in Jonestown, that the shepherd there, Jim Jones, who is supposedly leading his people to greener pastures in the country of Guyana, led them to death because he was driven by his own ego or his own power or his own dynamics. We see people exploited in the name of Jesus all the time to make their pockets filled with greener pastures, if you know what I mean. And that reputation stings the church today because we tend to associate those people who say that they are shepherds like Jesus with Jesus himself. And so there's this deep fear grounded in this deep myth that There's no one to lead us to a place of peace. So we have to help ourselves. But Jesus confronts that myth, doesn't he? He uses the phrase, I am, which for those of us who are raised in church or study the Bible, we know refers to the tetragrammaton, the name of God. As it says in Ezekiel, Ezekiel says that one day God would actually leave heaven and he would become the shepherd of his people that he would bind up the wounds, that he would heal the brokenhearted, that he'd be the one on the ground, so to speak, of our lives, putting things back together, not as a hired hand, but as the shepherd over his people, because the shepherd is actually the one who owns his sheep. He's the one who actually has possession of his sheep. And when you think about it, if we are all sheep, as Jesus describes, and we're all trying to find a shepherd, there's only one person in the world who really has true possession over us, and that's God. 
That means every other person that we go to follow to tell us about life, every guru, every teacher, is only at best a hired hand. And we know a hired hand doesn't care for the possessions of the owner as well as the owner does. In fact, I know this because I've rented cars before. <laughs> and um, me and my friends one time, we, we went to Panama to go surfing. I, I didn't surf, I, I, I pretty much just drowned in the water because I can't surf. But one of the things my friends decided to do, and I, I, I want to say I didn't participate, but I did, was that they rented a car and they decided, let's buy the insurance on the car, like as much insurance as we can buy. And you know this is where this is going because we wanted to, they were like, let's destroy the car basically. Let's just get as much insurance and we'll drive the car on the beach into the water. And, and after a week of us having that car in Panama, uh, that car was not the same car that we started with. And so we turned in this broken, disheveled car. And the reason that we didn't care so much about what happened to the car is just it wasn't ours. This wasn't ours. And false shepherds don't tend for things that are not theirs because they're not their possession. They're rental cars, they're rental sheep. But God says in Ezekiel that he takes possession of his people. And he takes possession of his people because he's a good shepherd, one who has characteristics that are for the benefit of the sheep. But anyone who's followed Jesus for long wonders at times as you're grazing through pastures how good the shepherd is. And one of the frustrating things about following Jesus, if we're just honest about it, is that we follow the shepherd that we confess and that we believe is good, and yet sometimes we encounter a life that steals and kills. We get the results back and we wonder, where's the good shepherd? We get the divorce papers and we wonder, where's the good shepherd? We deal with depression and anxiety and we wonder, where's the good shepherd? Yet Jesus is interesting because as a shepherd, shepherds take their sheep from one place to another. They move their sheep throughout life to graze on pastures. And one of the things that we tend to do as sheep is judge the goodness of the shepherd at the point in the journey that we're at right now. And that's one of the things we do all the time in life, right? Jesus is good dependent on my station in life today, this moment. So if things are not going well, then he's an incompetent shepherd. If things are going well, like mega ball, mega ball, mega ball, you know, we get it right. Things are great. Yet it's interesting that Jesus refers to himself in a few different ways. He says, I'm also the gate. I mean, I'm the, the beginning point into a different type of life. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the entrance to a new way of life. He says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the one who's not only the entrance to this way of life, but I'm the one who takes you and walks you through this way of life. And then he even goes to describe his resurrection. He goes, and, and part of this journey is I'm gonna die, and then I'm gonna be raised to life because I have the power to do so. So even as Jesus is the shepherd, he's the shepherd who's going to undergo death and resurrection as part of being the shepherd. Where do we feel that we don't get to undergo such a journey as well? So we have to judge the goodness of the shepherd by the totality of his mission. And that takes faith. Many of us want Jesus to be the shepherd who pastures us in this moment in the way that we desire, but Jesus is the good shepherd who's taking us from this territory, this broken land, into a new heavens and new earth. He's taking us from death to resurrection. His own life as a shepherd is that model. And what that means is as we discover 
how good this shepherd is, we have to keep the whole story in mind or we actually might feel at points in our own narrative that he's not as good as we think he is. That he's just a hired hand, that we're a rental car that he's playing around with. That's why faith thinks of life, not only in this moment, but in the moments that have come and the moments to come because it's the totality of our existence with God that defines how good he is. That's why we can have hope at gravesides because we know that even in those moments, the shepherd is not done being the shepherd of his people. It's why we can get results back from a doctor and know that though they say terminal, we say temporary because we have a shepherd that has a greater provision than the days we have before us. In fact, Jesus says, I'm so powerful as a shepherd that if somebody wants to strike me so that the sheep may scatter, I have the ability on my own to raise myself back up from life. So I wanna talk about those of us who are in the middle of the story right now, and we're trying to figure out, is this Jesus a shepherd that is really good? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, there's moments where we do question the goodness of Jesus' provision. Is he leading us in a good way? Or has his GPS broken and are we figuring this thing out on our own? I wanna say to those of you who maybe are wrestling with those questions, maybe you're in a life situation right now where you're entered in through the gate but you're wondering how good the shepherd is, that it takes time in life to figure out the goodness of somebody, doesn't it? Goodness is something that is continually expressed over a lifetime of character. Even a bad person could be good once. When you really know someone's good, it's the totality of life with them that you can actually have moments of moments of moments where you realize they've never let you down, that you're not a rental car to them, but they've always filled your tires and washed you and provided for you. Don't give up hope. Trust that Jesus, where he's leading you, is to a place of green pastures that your cup will overflow, as the psalm says. And I think most people who give up on the faith are people who give up on a point in the story that has not reached its climax, but they feel that the shepherd that they're following is stealing and killing and destroying. Yet those who have true faith, those people who have strength in their life, are people who have decided to follow the end of the story wherever it may lead. Because that's the one thing about having a shepherd. He decides where you're gonna go. We don't decide, he does. He's the leader, we're the follower. And until we resolve that that's the nature of our life and that we will follow someone, that our life will be guided by something, someone, some desire, some story, some book, some person. When we resolve that we do not have that level of autonomy, then we have to choose in a life such as this one with its brokenness and its hurt and its joy and its pleasure and its pain, which shepherd at the end of the story will be the one who has been worth following? And Jesus is pretty much just saying, because I have the power over life and death, I'm the one who at the end of the story will be worth following. And you might not find out how good I am, how good of a shepherd I am, until the last page. But faith is continuing in the story even until the last page. I had something happen to me last week that 
you're not going to believe me, but I promise I won't lie to you in church, so it's just uh, crazy. Uh, I buy used books online all the time. Uh, I, 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 like probably most like Anglican priests or something, you guys have a lot of love for books, and some of my professors are here in the front row, which is intimidating, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I buy used books on, uh, online, you know, on Amazon or whatever, and so I go home, and I, there's this hard package, and you know, my mailbox, and I assume it's a book, so I get it out, and I, I uh, walk in my house, I put my mail, and then I go to open the book, and, and uh, it's a book on existentialism, you know, it's a philosophy book. Uh, my wife wonders why I read such things, but, uh, and so uh, I open it, and I open to the front page, and it says, you know, to, I think it says Diane, uh, Love Dad, 2010, so just an inscription, so somebody was given this book as a gift, and then they sold it <laughs> and uh, didn't think it was too valuable, so I guess. So, uh, so 2010, this inscription, well, I start flipping through the pages and, you know, and I open to the back of the book. It's a hardback book and the flap covers the back. I swear to you, $540 of cash falls out the back flap of the hardback book. Praise Jesus for buying used books, right? I mean, we let, yeah, you know. <laughs> This justified all my used book buying to my wife and, 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 and one fail sleep. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I was blown away and I was like looking for a hidden camera. I, I even, this is just a side, I went to the bank and I'm like, I can't be carrying counterfeit money as a pastor, so please let me know if this is real. And they're like, put it through and it was real. What I, what I think happened uh, was, you know, uh, the daughter was given a book and she, you know, maybe for a birthday present or it's just a gift. She opened the first page, oh, oh, thanks, Dad. Oh, yeah, my dad's really good. Got me a book. Thanks and maybe under her breath for nothing. And she failed to dig deeper into the book to go further in the journey of reading, further in the journey of discovering how good her father was. Yet if she had dug deeper into the book, she would have gotten to the end of it and found out how good her dad was, how good this shepherd was. And I, I want to encourage you this morning that if you're in the middle of a journey and you're wondering how good, how green, how blessed are the pastures that God is leading us into, don't give up in the middle. Because if you dig deeper into the book and you know how good he is, and at the end of the story, you realize the fullness of his goodness and provision beats out every other shepherd. That other shepherds come to steal and to kill and destroy. Whether those shepherds are our career, our health, our money, the opinions of other people, eventually those will let us down. But the goodness of the shepherd is expressed fully as Jesus says, I have the power to raise my life back from dead. And at the end of history, that shepherd will raise us too with him in glory. And finally we'll discover how good and incredible those pastures are that God has led us into. Follow the good shepherd. He's leading you into greener, greener pastures. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Thank you so much that in the world of so many shepherds for our souls, you're the good one. You're the entrance into a way of life that is not free from trial and trouble, but it ends up in a place of radical provision. 
And God, I know right now that some of us are in the middle of the story and we are wondering how good you are. We have people in our life who wonder how good you are. I pray we'll continue going, continue following you, that we would not forsake the good shepherd for a false one, and the result would be we would turn to the final page of your grand story and discover how extravagant your love is, how extravagant your provision is. In the name of Jesus, amen.